Hi guys, welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Over a Cup of Coffee. It's your girl, Jay. And it's your boy, Bam Bam. Thank you so much for joining me on Over a Cup of Coffee podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're a returning listener, thank you for listening again. Thank you for joining us again. Um, we trust you have been enjoying the conversations we've had. Um, we have a very special, special guest in our midst. Um, his name is Charles. You know, I'll leave him to do the introduction. So I'm not going to go in, you know, deep into the introduction. All right. But thank you for listening. Please like, share, and subscribe. Um, if you're a new listener, welcome to the community. Welcome to the family. At Over a Cup of Coffee podcast, we are discussing life. We're discussing career and we are discussing everything in between. All right. So you're going to have the best time. You're going to have an amazing time. We're looking forward to your feedbacks, your comments, and every other thing in between. Okay. So um welcome, Charles. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. Um as as to kickstart, you know, the podcast. Um, could you you know tell us a bit about yourself, basically? Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me, Jay and Bam Bam. Um, hi, my name is Charles Ndroko, and I, I am a product designer um, by skill, um, a tech entrepreneur by plenty things I do, and I'm just a really um, cool-headed person in general. Um, I am currently the co-founder of Spire. Spire is a customer feedback software for businesses to help them understand their customer feedback better and be able to use um, that feedback to improve their business and deliver better experiences for their customers. I currently live in Manchester uh, in England and yeah, that's pretty much about me. That's fantastic. Um, thank you so much, Charles. Um, you know, basically one of the major things or highlights of you know, over a cup of coffee is um, we like to, you know, identify with stories, all right? So um, basically, could you tell us a bit about your story? What was your background growing up like? Um, or what was your background, your childhood, and your, you know, basically your growing up like? Um, and how, or what role has it played, right, in your success journey so far? Yeah, so, um, you know, this thing where they say nobody just wake up one day and become something or I mean there's always a story and I think it's very true because sometimes when people are fascinated by how much I probably have been able to do for myself and they think oh it was just um, one day but (laughs) the truth is compared to a lot of people I think I had a lot of privilege and I'm saying this because so for example my mom is a trained typist. My dad is a general Igbo businessman who moved from one business to the other to he decided to consolidate his business um, progress and my mom's typing skill to start a computer business center. So while my mom was doing most of the typing, he was running the business operations, making sure, for example, he's a trained um, auto electrician, um, so he fixes these huge, these big generators that have f- folks in banks, police stations, and all these use. So those were the kind of generators we we're using for the business. So he pretty much made sure there's all this power, there's the machines are working, 
he's a very technical person. He's, he's taking it with his hand because at some point he started fixing the printers, the machines himself. So I was born into that kind of setting. So from a very early age, I was exposed to computer more than the average person, really. And I could remember as early as seven, I was already running errands for the business. And when the computers are free, I just hop on it and play games. Um, then Marvis type is uh, Marvis Beacon, uh, Marvis Digital yeah. Is, uh Yeah, and those were some of the things we were doing at the time. I would use. Then as time went on, I think at 10, 12 or so, I used. Then there was no Google, or at least I, I, I didn't have access to the internet. So my Google then was Microsoft Encounter until today is still one of my favorite software um, from way back. Um, so I would, and I used to be a voracious reader. I would open Microsoft Encounter, read and read open hours. My parents would chase me and I would still come, find me to come back and read. And eventually my, my dad bought me my own laptop and this was, I was in, junior secondary school three yeah that was when i had my first laptop and then it meant i could do my own thing on the laptop and all of that i remember i opened my first email in primary four actually one of my dad's um, managers um i know his i remember his name vividly victor victor adole um victor would every sunday victor would come to the house pick me and we'll go to the cyber cafe together and what he would what happen is as he's browsing he'll be showing me how to soft the internet you get how to buy um airtime and you get pay and then i remember one hour then was the 115 era we used to go to a cyber cafe called jackie's and all of this was happening in makodi in benue state um yeah i was born and raised here my family is still there i still have family there and so the, uh, I had very, very huge amount of exposure early on. It was no surprise that I was going to go down that path. But the tricky thing, the tricky thing here is that <laughs> my dad, for example, he didn't think I was going down that path. Um, or he didn't want me to because for him, it was just a business. He didn't think there was a bigger world of computing and all that out there. He wanted me to become a doctor. And he did everything. When I say everything, he did everything <laughs> to try to get me to become a doctor. But eventually, I mean, for me, I knew it was tech. My family's business grew from just a computer um, business center into a printing press. And I think those, that started to become my very first exposure to design, for example. Um, we were printing posters, magazines, t-shirts, campaign collateral. I remember one of our biggest shows in 2011. Uh, we handled most of the campaign materials for at least seven governorship candidates within the North Central area, from Nasrawa to Taraba to Benue and Joss. You get so do, so I've handled large-scale print process as far and, and as well as small-scale. When I went to uni, my parents, I actually asked my dad to stop paying my school fees by my second year 
Why? Because I was already making a shit ton of money. I was remember, as far back as 2015, I was I, I was netting around 200, 150$ a month. Wow. Um, I was I was also printing posters, tickets, awards, and all of that in school. I was also on Upwork. It used to be Odex and Upwork, but then what they changed their name. I can't even remember what happened. But yeah, I joined Upwork and I used to work for clients in the US back then. That was my first exposure to remote work and any in dollars. That's 2015-2016. Mostly 20 it was late 2015 to 2016. It was 2016 I started even working more on Upwork. Um, I was being paid from three to twelve dollars per hour, depending on the project. Um, and yeah, that would summarize. Imagine the imagine back then, dollar was like one fifty or so, and I was still making up the two hundred k. I was imagine what that, what that would have been by now. But yeah, so halfway into uni. I couldn't see. I was I was studying biochemistry, by the way. I by my third year, I stopped going to classes. It was simply because um, I don't know what I was doing in those classes. I knew that I had to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. At the back of my dad's mind, for example, he wanted me to finish biochemistry and then go and study medicine abroad. In fact, I actually applied to study medicine in UNM, but I couldn't get in. And so I was offered biochemistry, you guys, a supplementary. Uh, so the plan was to finish biochemistry and then go do medicine abroad. But I knew halfway in, I knew that was not for me. So I had to decide to define what my career would be for me. And I would, I usually say, even though I've had like so many experience with design all of that from childhood all the way into uni my actual tech career probably started in 2017. it was in 2017 i decided what i wanted to do and what tech power that tech was the way i wanted to build my career around and i started working very very hard towards it sleepless night long hours of working on projects that i even bigger than myself i can't even start you know people some people also see successes and think it was one try boom. I can tell you off the back of my head, there are like up to six projects I said both are doing. But it never stopped me. <laughs> Out of those six, only I think only three were people who I know I have gone back, I've tried to reach back to and they're really, really happy and impressed of um half progress. The other three I couldn't reach them again. Somehow I couldn't reach them again. You get, um, yeah. but yeah, I've gone from all of that to build what I consider a very, very impressive career for myself. Oh wow! So you, you had such an adventurous childhood. I mean, your life is is full of so so many stories, and I feel like you've been a strong man. Or should I say you you mean you grew from being a strong boy to being a strong man? Yeah, the fact yeah. that it was when you said you told your dad to stop paying your fees where you were in was it 300 level this was this was just I think just after second year yeah wow. just after so he only paid my first and second year fees ah 
I can't say God when because I've passed that stage, but that's something to actually <laughs> admire. Uh, but let me ask that like, if you could have like one superpower right now, which would you choose and why? If I had a superpower, I would choose the superpower. Uh, hmm. What superpower would I choose? Honestly, to be patient because I'm a very impatient person. Do you get? And I sometimes I look back and I know that if I was, sometimes it has, I mean, it has worked for me, honestly. And sometimes it hasn't. But yeah, I, I, I just personally feel it's one thing if I had the power to be, to make myself patient, I probably would want to use that first. But it's the, it's the I mean, if I think about it, something else might come to mind, but it's the one thing that comes to mind when I think about it now. So in a country like Nigeria, where there's like so much uncertainty and instability, how do we follow our dreams? Because here, motivational speakers say, oh, youth, follow your dreams, follow your passion, right? But in a country like Nigeria, how do you then follow your dreams and ensure that you achieve them? Yeah, so the thing I have known, and I mean, one of the biggest reasons why I decided to move um, from Nigeria to relocate, um, it's, not, I mean, it's not even because of money or anything. Um, I know a lot of people even call me like, you are doing so well. And I mean, why why are you moving? Like, I mean, you you of all people. I was like, you know the people that are doing well that are moving. This is their, <laughs> I'm not, aside from people probably going through uh, what's called trying to do their MSc, um, go to school and then stay. People who are moving on other kinds of visa are people who probably are doing and just feel like you know i've had enough but yeah my point is predictability and is some level of certainty with where you're driving yourself and your life to is an important um factor for anybody who wants to really grow and like you said unfortunately nigeria doesn't give you that you get you wake up every morning and you just pray that you are able to get through that day without all of the troubles that the country, um, I mean, poses to us. And it was one of the very big reasons for me because I feel like I should be, I should be rewarded more for my effort. And I just feel like Nigeria is not really, really offering me. Yeah. For people who are currently in Nigeria, my advice is simple. You get, sit down, ask yourself what you want to achieve out of life generally and begin to plan towards it. Then remove Nigeria from your from your scope of thinking. Think, just feel like you are at a second place in, in time. You get, and what do you need to do to get you to the next place in time that you need to achieve some other things? For me, it was pretty much the idea. Um, I remember the first time I probably would have moved was in 2020, but somehow I, I, I just didn't, I just didn't feel like you get. In fact, I even had better resources back then to move that now. Uh, moving now was, I don't want to go into the details, but it was a struggle really. Um, but it was well thought out in my mind. I was planned. The circumstances also sort of like made everything make sense. So for younger Nigerians, see, let me not lie to you, I can't motivate you to aspire to aspire. 
you get. <laughs> the only thing I can tell you is work hard, do good work. No matter where it's even in even if even if you are if even if Nigeria becomes Pakistan or Afghanistan, you get the one thing that will take you out of that situation is not pity, it's not um tears or anything. It's actually excellent work. Um, if you see how rescue missions happen, they usually start in very prolific cities and move people that have risk, like aside their personal properties, they have intellectual resources. More than half of the engineers in places like Pakistan or Afghanistan have probably been shipped out to countries like the US, UK, and all of that. My point is be an excellent person, do excellent work, and plan towards wherever it is you want to take your life next to. I'm not saying whether it's up to you to decide whether it's Japan you want to Japan or whether you want to stay back. But my point, the, what I would say is be an excellent person, do good work. Um, what's it called? Co- commit to your network and community, give back basically. And I mean, I guess whatever it is you set your life aligned by those efforts you're putting in. Awesome, awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that um one of the you know questions i would like to ask you now is um because like me you have like quite a, a lot of fans all right um and i'm sure m- more fans in the design space people that are looking up to you and um you know want to like i've been trying to emulate some of the things that you're doing or you know want to get to the points that you have gotten to in your career all right so um what are some success habits that you've over the years um just you know taken to yourself of you of you or or you have over the years practiced right and you know what are just like you know some some of those success habits um that you think that others can replicate and all of that so um i would say first i i like to think i'm a very very resilient person and secondly, I, my attention to detail um, is something I, I think I, I, I take pride in. And I over-deliver. Let me give you an example. I remember I used to work at Softcom in 2019. And when I was about to leave Softcom, I wanted to get into a product sort of role. Because while I was at Softcom, I was, I was in the marketing department as a creative designer. I wanted to move full-time into UX. I wanted to put all of that. Prior to that interview, yeah, I, I can't remember. I, I don't think I had any case study written anywhere, but I had some good designs. And I mean, so they gave me a case study to prepare. I was just supposed to be some a page or two or that but i ended up i think it was probably one of my most elaborative case studies it had very very uh what's it called huge uh industry references all of that it was 10 pages you get and the theory of this company that was hiring me actually read it you get and he said i remember his words vividly and he said it is not even that the case study was over the moon or anything. It was the fact that I was actually, he could read, he could literally see the passion 
to really do this thing. I wasn't, it wasn't me trying to show up designs. It was, it was me really trying to understand what it is I'm trying to explain and even the work I'm, the question I'm being asked to elaborate on and all of that. He, he found that interesting. It's not common with um, designers or technical people generally. Everybody just wants to do the job and all of that. And he found that interesting and that, that was why he was going to hire me um, instead of other people else. Now, that's just one example. I can go on and on and give several examples where being meticulous and just going over and beyond what is generally expected of anybody. Um, sort of is that difference that sets, that's just giving you the foot in the door before any other person else. And I, I mean, kudos to, for example, I mean, I give credit to my dad uh, is because growing up, failing is something you are very shameful of going to tell him. You get some, I mean, there are negatives to that, but I'm trying to focus on the positives now. Um, I remember if you are in a group of other people and all of you are supposed to do something together, if that's in fear, my dad is not going to consider the fact that there are other people who. The, the factors depended on for us to sort they were like if you are there when was it even if other people are failing you get this it is your responsibility to make sure it succeeds growing up with that mentality I have never compared myself with anybody absolutely I can't remember looking rather when I see people who are succeeding I try spend sleepless nights learning about them, learning about what they did to succeed. And sometimes doing times five of that, you get to get myself there. That's amazing. That's like, that's like, um, that's, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to explain it, but that's super amazing. All right. Because that's something yeah. that um, you don't necessarily see, you know, very often, right? I. I run Grow It Path, it's a talent management company for, you know, tech talent and all of that stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've been like privileged to um, hire for some organizations and, you know, the test that you're talking about, um, we see a lot of designers or a lot of, you know, tech people in quotes, right? Just want to do the work and, you know, just like, and specifically for now in tech, where there's like that buzz around, there's so much money in tech, you know, how to make tech money. You know and stuff so when it's actually time to like you know when they have a shot to deliver or you know when they have a shot to actually meet a certain expectation right you just see them do like a lot of shabby work right so you know you just saying this um makes a lot of sense right um and it just it just connected to me because i'm like yo you know these people should be should be listening to this all right because it's, it's fantastic to hear you say it right and you know it just makes sense because at the same time um we can already see results um and you know basically from your career and everything around you all right so that's that's amazing that's amazing um i, yeah. I know that you joined um your dad you know and basically your environment um as like one of the major factors that contributed to um, your success or that has contributed to your success so far um do you want to share you know, some what are some, some of your other biggest factors um that have also contributed to your success so far oh community 
community, absolutely community. So I see a, um, a lot of, I mean, young designers and upcoming designers, um, what's it called, pandering to the message of the people they think are like OGs or people are up there and all of that. And yeah. and it's funny, you get, I'm like, the biggest growth strategy that's, I mean, I consider it the biggest because it has worked for me. I has worked, I can mention 10 people it has worked for. Is people, we all started this design thing within um, the community, or at least within, at the same time, instead of knowing each other, at the same set of people that we've gradually grown together. I can, for example, um, Daniel, apparently, he's not, he, he now works at Meta. Um, Mujia now works. Um, he, he Mujia is in Top Tower. There's my co-founder, Trucks. There is um, there's Badi Jaw. There is Caleb. There is um, the like. I, there are a lot of people. All of all these people. I, I so for example, I know three of my friends who are currently head of design at different companies. You get and all of us literally said to get and guess what? We criticize we were the biggest critics of our work. You get. I would design something and I'll send to these guys. If you if I go back to some of my earliest designs, you and open the comment session. If it's not Mudia, is Daniel is one other person. You get we did not look for senior designers we wanted to be like. You get we learned from them by looking at their work, not who they were or whether they're on Twitter or anything. For example, I can't I can't remember ever sending anybody a message to mentor me. If you for I remember Joshua, Joshua who used to be at Invasion. I remember I literally had his portfolio and some of the work he's done pinned on my browser. And I go back to look at every. He was the first one who made me use Invision. And I used Invision to design a product that Zenit Bank, we sort of like test run with Cast 45, First Bank, a couple of people. You get, and got a couple of dollars from, from that experience. Point is, there is work to be done by yourself. It is tough work, it is frustrating work. It is difficult or it will make you cry. I feel like, you know, making headway. But the best way to survive this is to grow with people on the same level as you. you get? Today, um, if, God willing, I'm expanding my startup and I'm looking for core talented people to hire, I, can't, I won't hesitate hiring my friends. For example, I remember in the early days when I was at Aspire, my friends were literally coming to design components for us free of charge you get and this i'm saying all of this to say that i have benefited very much from growing with the people that i called my community and i called my friends and it's not something i see common these days you get um everybody wants to tweet their design and get accolades for which i do not see anything wrong with it i'm just saying that there are very, very core strategies and core ways to grow that doesn't really, really involve that. You get, even myself, once in a while, I prior to design to faff about it. 
you get all of that. I'm not using that as a strategy to grow. I'm not coming on a tail to act of feedback, probably banter and was just talk briefly about design in a general sense. If I want critical feedback, I know who to send my designs to. I send it to people within my community, people that I have grown with and understand these things and learn these things. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, you spoke about you spoke about um, you know, you know, dealing with um older designers or designers who have gone before. All right. So the question now will be, um, as a young designer, this is not even you know, people that are listening to this are you know people general young professionals. All right. So maybe not yeah. even designers. All right. But let's just use designer as a sample. All right. So how do you deal with um? your like people that have gone before you what kind of relationship should you have if you should even have anyone at all with them um just basically how do you manage your boards how, how do you deal with you know bosses how do you deal with um you know like your senior um you know your your seniors in that in that in that field or in that industry and also the question of mentorship when do you reach out for mentorship and when do you not reach out for mentorship? Why should you reach out for mentorship and why should you not? So, um, let, let me answer the first question of dealing with bosses and all of that. You, I don't want to come off as if I had the perfect role with dealing with bosses. For example, one of my first, one of the first people I worked with in was it called as a UX designer, he pretty much fired me and because I was, it was for two reasons. One, I was doing a shabby job and secondly, um, we were always fighting on making decisions on um, design and all of that. So, you get, so he fired me literally. So I've had my own bad run and I'm, I'm saying this to say that there is nothing wrong with not knowing how to do something and failing. Um, it's just that you don't have to continue to do it you get consistently, especially if there has been feedback on how you can improve. I remember telling, going to narrate the story of what happened to my friends, and literally all of them told me, are you for couple? I was like, yeah, I know. Do you care? And just take for a lesson to learn. And I started to learn more about like communication, personal interaction, um, what's it called, dealing with some of the, I don't want to call it office politics, but some of the bureaucracy that comes with working with people. Yeah. And I was able to come up with my own framework with relating to people. And here, my flat out framework really. When I go and meet stakeholders within a project and they're probably my bosses, I try to make them understand that, see, um, you want to win, you want to, I'm not here to come and show you I'm the best. You get, I'm here for us to win. You get, and for me to be able to do that, I need your cooperation. You get, I am going to always come in good faith knowing that I'm presenting something because I feel like this will get us to win. And what I need you to do is to critique it and give me feedback you get. And we shouldn't get into um, what's it called, being antagonistic and all of that. You get, setting that ground conversation and respecting usually has helped me scale through several kinds of, um, what's it called, dealing with stakeholders or people above me and all of that you get. Yeah. You also have to acknowledge that they are up there. Take it or leave it, no matter how 
rude or or was called arrogant you think it is it's not it's never going to get you it's never going to put you on top of them you get um there are people who do not know how to acknowledge authority you get it doesn't make you small you get it makes you in my in my opinion makes you strategic you get you don't you there's nobody I, I don't know anybody who has gotten on gotten um to be in a place of authority by being brash rude arrogant or using star words i have had times where i was stern with how i communicate i've had times where even when i know somebody's wrong you get i let it slide because well there's a better there's a bigger picture um what's it called for me there so there isn't any one way to do it is to just choose that you know what i want to go you get and this is my threshold these are some of the things i that are my breaking points you get for example you can't insult me it's clear cut a line you won't cross you get no matter who, how high up of my boss that you are and but i would always also accord you with certain respect and all of that so people my advice is that a lot of people should even sort of self reflect they get with who they are and how they react to certain situations before even sort of like going to the broader sense of um, several organizational interactions so that you don't go there and you are you are just being reactive you get something is happening and you are reacting rather than being proactive here yeah, you sort of set the ground rules of engagement whether directly or indirectly and that allows you to control the narrative in the long term um I, the, the other question i asked was basically around when do you reach out for mentorship why should you reach out for mentorship and why should you not um this is the personal choice really i have only asked one person to be my mentor and that person is gozi he is the he used to be the former ceo for bed king he's the only person i can remember ever directly asking you get for an opportunity to be mentored by him you get in about really work i just gave me a couple of advice and t- told me i could ask him any question um anytime and all of that and my lesson generally with life is like i said instead of asking for mentorship if they were who I think I could learn it in or two from I rather go to build a relationship and I'll tell you some one of the most reflective point for me was one day when someone texted me and said there are people I respect in this industry you get that if they say something I'll listen I respect you because of those people because I have heard them say um incredible things about you and I, I and it's the only thing i need to know about your reputation what that sort of tells me is building relationships providing value has a broader range of influence than going to say be my mentor because sometimes a lot of people doesn't even know what that entails do you want me to handhold you or anything more than half of the people who are old in the industry that I know it's either 
oh um what's it called for example i remember um when we started aspire and i wanted to reach out to some people to always like help me with my thinking process or anything i went to them with the problem case for example the aspire i'm trying to do this i know you have had experience this just 30 minutes of your time would really mean so much to me and they give me that 30 minutes they give me another 30 minutes and before you know it they are the ones not even calling me to ask me how far how did that go and um, what's progress what are you doing some of them self without asking i constantly email them about my progress and all of all these things you get now it's gone from being men- being a mentor to being a relationship but that, that's just one example i can give a shit ton of them you get uh, and these people now are people i know i can pick up my phone any day and any time like ah chief see my problem you get i need your help and i'm like oh let's talk on the call quickly and do it I did never in the, that conversation did I ask them to be my mentor, but indirectly, what they are doing is actually mentorship. You get so focus on building relationships, and the greater influence of that relationship than the word or the official terming of it mentorship. You get some people who have had huge influence in my life. until today they don't even know of them interacted what i do is i simply go and look up their work and look at some of the things they are doing with that has huge impact and learn from it that's more than enough for me i don't have to be in their lives yeah wow you know um one thing i really appreciate about what you just mentioned is the part that um, where you said building relationships and having value is actually what is more important than running after someone to be your mentor right and i think yeah. that's very important because this generation right especially for young professionals and jeans if i may say um is this rush to actually get into someone's dm tell them to mentor you and bombard them with certain questions questions that they probably answered in a book or in a book again again and then i'm like <laughs> I get and- I get that a lot and just get hard in fact I just keep sharing links and in my head I'm like if someone someone could just like oh hi Charles I've been following for a while I've read a lot about you I follow your work and blah blah, blah. and they follow that up with a question and I'm asking myself if you truly have followed my work and have read about me and learned about me and you actually would find the answer to this question you don't have to send me a message yeah that happens a lot of time you get and just like you said there are so many ways you could learn from a person and never ever send them a single message one day absolutely i have a community of undergraduates right that i that i don't want to mentor well that i guide right and there's a <laughs> so i know <laughs> and then there's a part of the of the assessment where i we actually train them on how to reach out to people and when some of them send their drafts probably a draft on what they want to send and like you can't just do this and you will say I'm the one training you and i think it's just a common mistake to be honest and, yeah. and i mean 
Yeah, you really, I, no, I, I mean, so, so, so for me, I don't really blame people. It's an honest mistake if you get. Right. It's mm-hmm. really an honest, innocent mistake. They, for some people, they really want to learn and they don't know how to really approach it. Which so is. there is this thing about um, learning how to learn. Do you get? Okay. Yeah. So, some, so for example, I, I, I'd like to think I personally have perfected my own way of learning you get i learned through conversations i learned through reflections i learned through picking up a book and going into a rabbit hole of curiosity you get i don't if you handhold me i won't learn do you know for example if i pick up an, an electronic appliance there's a manual there's a manual literally lying there and i could just open the manual and i will fix what i need to fix um what's the called in a shorter time, but guess what? Charles would literally try to fix it without looking at that manual. You get so I learn by doing. A lot of people do not have not had time to sit and reflect on how, what is the most effective way they have learned. They have no like, what are the successes I've recorded in my life and how did I do it? There, there, there is there is no inflection point where they can say, oh, they have seen a certain pattern in themselves and it's one way they can, like, optimize that process to give them even better results. I think being reflective of oneself should be one of the biggest things people, I'm hoping people would, like, learn, like, why did you do this thing? Why, why did you give you this result? If you do it again and again, give you that same result you get so learning how to learn is also a very very big thing learning how to learn absolutely absolutely wow so looking through your profile right you've achieved quite a number of things i mean i should actually salute you on that but i should ask are there still dreams you have or certain passions that you look for to pursuing like the nearest future Oh yeah, definitely. Ah, <laughs> in every, uh, honestly, I think there are not a lot. Um, I think I would always be in tech, in a small, big, um, medium scale, um, what's it called, opportunities that have it. But I'm looking forward to actually retiring from doing active work, probably around 35 or 40, um, and probably just focus on other passions, for example, like flying a plane. I, 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 you, growing up as a kid, I am fascinated by playing. Till today, I, there's a, there's an airplane simulator on my phone. I play for 30 minutes, 30 minutes to an hour every day. You get, um, I know I really want to do that down the line. Um, it's just a silly passion of mine that I, I was a court I'm looking to achieve. Um, I know I, I want to spend time um building systems um system what i mean systems i'm talking about i'm talking about like really investing in human capital development across all of my passions for example um i know at some point i might go back to lecture for a bit um something i know i want to try um i knew that in, in memory of my father 
I probably would build a teaching hospital just because, well, I didn't become a doctor. But I promised him I'll build a teaching hospital in his memory and name it after him when he's long gone. <laughs> you get it. So, yeah, so these are some of my, like, very audacious, crazy passions that I'm looking forward to. Wow, now that's a lot. You mentioned like five things already. And if I say I should dissect them, I feel like some of them are wide apart. But let me just stop there. And let me just say that. Are there times when we have dreams, you have like a passion, something you really want to follow, and then suddenly it feels like you should pause that pursuit or you should totally abandon? Or, or should I say, has there been any project or anything you've actually really tried doing that you eventually stopped or abandoned after a particular time? Yeah, yeah, there are a couple, there are a couple. So for example, before Spire, before Spire even, I wanted, there's the first product I wanted to build, which I paused. I don't want to say I stopped because there's a subsector of it that's currently working. Was a, a was it called? was a content creation platform, really. What we wanted to do then was to aggregate some of the best images across Africa and provide it free of charge to people because we found out that, I mean, for designers, we go to Unsplash and all of these places to get pictures and uh, it's usually not, um, the context is usually far-fetched. It's not seen like home and we wanted to create this platform, uh, but we couldn't pull it off because the software is not even a problem. One of the it's actually the content we couldn't find a way to, to get 5,000 images unique images completely free because I can't go and pay for the images if I am giving free of charge you get it's not that like the image doesn't exist but we couldn't get we couldn't find a way come up with a strategy to be able to get up to 5,000 images free of charge and so I just posted but why what I brother went on to do was to do a small set of it so also in design people design profile pictures and like images on their designs and you still see pictures of white folks and all of that so avatars basically and what i did just built a small figma plugin where people go on the web to contribute their LinkedIn profile pictures because it's professional and a better outlook before we go, if, because if we put something like Twitter, only God knows the kind of images we will go collect <laughs> because we will put funny things on their profile picture. But yeah, we called it Bavatars and it's black <laughs> avatars. It's simply black avatars and why you are designing in Figma and you need a profile picture of obviously a black person you can just run the plugin and it would populate it randomly or smartly for you. You can even select, choose whatever image you want. Um, I built this together with Sheyi and one of, one of my friends, I call him Kratos. Um, yeah, so that was the subset, like a subset of the bigger project really. So that's running, the bigger project is not. It might, I don't know. Um, a couple of people have reached out to me that they have picked interest. So um, I, I don't know how that would go. That is one of the so many, one of the so many projects that I would have taken off that didn't. Even Spire that I started last year, I've had several times where I wanted to close Park Shop and you get um, 
sort of like close everything and move on with my life. You get that it's, it will just be part of something that didn't work. But I think I had someone has spoken to me that instead of packing shop completely, why not take it slowly? Like it feels like you're you want to do so many things at the same time and you don't have the resources and that's frustrating you the most the most. So why not take a couple of steps back, take it slowly, once about a time. Even if it's going to take years for it to launch, um, the problem you're trying to solve is not going to go away in the next 10 or 15 years even. You get, um, as long as people use products, give feedback, there will, there will be need for advanced systems to help businesses learn from that you get. So don't, don't close it, don't close it, but don't expect, don't also rely on it for you to thrive. You can go on to do other things while you take out your while you take out time to continue to gradually grow this thing uh, on the side and then let's see how that goes. And, and uh, I mean honestly it's decent advice you, you get and that's pretty much um one of the things we're exploring. Um in fact I've recorded better results than trying to do everything I was and break it down. For example, already software is out there we have a couple of using it and it's working at least if the very basic thing we wanted to do and now we're just looking on how to grow what we currently have into something more sophisticated so a lot i could go on and on about a lot of things i probably done i failed i remember one of the first startups i worked with was a drone startup i swear that i thought we were going to be building drones flying all over Nigeria by now. <laughs> this was far back as 2018. You get four years later, that didn't work out. You get to, yeah, I, just, just, I can go on and on and share. Uh, but yeah, I am I am not a stranger to failing. I like the last um, statement you made. You are not a stranger to failing. And that is an entire conversation talking about how people process failures and how they see situations that come their way but like i said let's just let's just give that conversation its own separate day right um as a um as your own final words or advice to any of our listeners um what tips would you give to your younger self when it comes to following through with your passion or dream or something that you really have in your mind to do um, make up your mind as soon as possible. Be, res- be resilient. Um, the worst that can happen is people will call you mad. But last time I checked, mad people are the ones who actually build this world uh, because it takes a certain level of gut and madness to push through, regardless of everything. Uh, people, people don't. For example, there is the emotional and very huge psychological setback that comes with pursuing your dreams, especially when you have naysayers or people who do not think, I mean, that's the right way to go. For example, by, by merely choosing tech over doing medicine, I didn't speak to my dad for almost three years. Do you get? And I, I, at the same time, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't home for three years or so. Do you get? So that I know how much that sort of like weighed on me emotionally, 
but regardless i had to find a way to persevere and move forward and sort of like you know what i accept that this thing is happening i accept that emotionally i'm fucked up but there is a goal there's something i'm looking forward to and nothing else matters if i get there really i, I mean i remember the day i was supposed to i, I went home and i was supposed to leave home to back to lagos to catch my flight to the uk um to see literally my dad smiling really wild and he just simply told me that the next thing i need to do to complete the joy i have brought to his heart is to bring him a daughter-in-law <laughs> well two days after i left my mom sent me a video a couple of pictures and video apparently he went to the market bought a was called the head of a cow and came home my mom made pepper soup he invited friends and family and they eat they ate and celebrated i was like yeah his son has brought this i know so far back then if you look at the sleepless night of me crying and all of that it's very painful but there's one thing about being someone who has a vision and can you can imagine you can picture it feels like it's in your hand already and you just need to grab it if you are not imaginative enough and strong build you would probably spend a huge part of your life regretting that you didn't take a chance wow right um this has been one amazing conversation um this has been super 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 exciting thank you charles for yeah thank you for having me for taking our time you know to come here and share with us um, I'm sure that you know our listeners are better because you came and because you shared. Um, and I'm glad that you actually like put your art out and yeah. actually you know um, gave your your best to the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, for- thank you for having me. Um, it was good talking uh, with you guys. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to a lot of young people. I mean, betting on themselves and really, really. I'm going out for it. Um I remember one of my bosses would say that for those of us who are privileged to have to have gone to good schools, have good jobs, um have a certain level of wealth, we owe it to society to really really give back and make the level for the playing field level for everybody to be able to climb on. So I'm hoping that this is something for someone out there to take Tired of their own life and really, really achieve it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. You're um, welcome. Thank you everybody for listening. We hope you had the best time um, in this conversation. Um, please feel free to drop your comments in the comments, you know, feel free to drop your contributions as well. What do you think about the conversation so far? Do you have further questions for Charles? Who knows? You know it's possible you could come in season two all right but um thank you so much for you know for listening and thank you for participating thank you for being a part of the over a cup of coffee podcast community all right be a part of somebody's growth and help them grow all right thank you for joining in um we hope you're looking forward to the next episode um same conversations around career life 
and everything in between thank you once again charles thank you so much um thank you jay all right sounding out signing out is bam bam and and your girl jay till next episode bye bye